2: Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the
0: way that they work.
1: We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden we could open up our showroom to customers around the world.
0: Learn more at microsoft.com teams. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal a truck. Bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous?
3: Of course it's dangerous!
0: Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins.
3: All this trouble, all this pain, for love.
0: Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.
3: Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a play-by-play announcer who loves to save money. And here at Progressive, it's discounts all day. The customer's a safe driver and nails over the discount. Signed up for paperless billing, and it's a discount from downtown. Insuring multiple vehicles and kablam, shaka like a fadeaway cross court, coast to coast. Discount mania! Ooh, should we go to commercial? Wait, this is a commercial. With all kinds of discounts, Progressive helps you save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, discounts not available in all states or situations.
1: How's it going, guys? <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is actually a food
1: podcast. Fried today. chicken hour. Yeah, we, we actually tricked.
3: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Soccer Podcast, brought to you by MondoGold.com, your premier destination for daily fantasy soccer. Head over to MondoGold.com and enter code Roto for a 200% bonus on your first deposit. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Gottlieb and Andrew Laird. Hello, everyone. Welcome
2: to another episode of the RotoWire Fantasy Soccer Podcast, sponsored by Mondo Goal. I am your usual host, Mike Gottlieb, with, as always, Andrew Laird and a special guest, a cavalcade of guests this season so far. And it's a new guest. Please join me in welcoming a man with a terrible taste in Premier League teams and an okay <laughs> taste in MLS teams. He follows Arsenal and FC Dallas, respectively. He writes for RotoWire.com. He is Tate McIntyre at t a m c one zero on the Twitter. So let's give him the RotoWire Fantasy Soccer Podcast bump on Twitter and a warmest than warmest of welcomes. Hello, Tate. How's it going?
1: I'm good. How are you, Mike?
2: I can't complain. All right, let's get to the games last weekend here. I'm wasting no time. So uh, the new format of the podcast this year on Tuesdays. Well, maybe released on Wednesday. We record this Tuesday nights. We'll be doing our reaction to the previous week, and on Friday we'll do our uh, Daily Dose, we'll do our predictions, and we'll do our preview for the weekend coming up. So our Mondo goal Daily Dose teams will come on Friday. So stay tuned for that on Friday. But let's get to our reaction. Week one, gents. Uh, Tate, I'll start with you. Just overall, big reaction to the weekend. Anything that stood out to you? Uh,
1: well, obviously, Arsenal was pretty disappointing this weekend. Uh, Peter Check especially. I think uh, a lot of fantasy owners had high hopes out of him, and he uh, kind of let a lot of people down. Um, Swansea was very impressive to me. Uh, I know uh, Chelsea was down a man and everything, but Swansea really took it to him for a while, and uh, especially Bafetimbi Gomi, so I thought he was really impressive too. And Andrew,
2: what about you?
4: I think we just are waiting to see some big fantasy uh, production from a lot of new players like Memphis Depay looked pretty quiet. Uh, Raheem Sterling was kind of quiet for his Man City debut. Ben Teke didn't really do much. Costa uh, we thought wasn't going to play and he did not, and didn't and do that. Not much. exactly
2: a new sign. He's right. not
4: new, no, but um, you know, just uh, a lot of the big-name players just didn't produce much this week.
2: Yeah, Ibrahim Afellay at Stoke, Stoke-Alona. Right. Uh, however, you know, for me the big takeaway is all three promoted teams, well, sorry, that's not even true. Two of the, two three, of the three teams, two of the three promoted teams, like they, they look good. They look competitive, and just just like what Andrew and I were saying at the beginning of the season, you know, I I'm, I only think one of them is a definite for going down, in Norwich, and that hasn't changed. And if anything, that's strengthened my resolve. I mean, Watford, I had some. I mean, I think I actually said Watford was going to go down, but it was, I think it's going to be close. I mean Watford to me was the most impressive because they were ahead of Everton twice at Goodison Park. That's and Troy Deeney had an assist there too, which was it was it just the new teams represented themselves very well. And of course, the team that I predicted to go down, Leicester, of course, scores four goals against. <laughs> <laughs> So let's get to the games individually here. Let's start with the earliest one and one of the more boring ones, Manchester United one Tottenham zero at the begin, at the end of this game, the golden boot update was everyone at zero and Kyle Walker at negative one. (laughs) So uh, other than the own goal guys, uh, I mean, I think Andrew, you started touching on it with Memphis to pay. If you wanted to see anything else that you noticed from this game, that's worthy of reaction.
4: Well, I think the one thing that people were jumping out at right away was not just the the Kyle Walker own goal, but the fact that he was starting over Kieran Trippier, and uh, we kind of had spoken, and DeAndre Yedlin. Well, right. <laughs> I think we had spoken kind of about how there was no guarantee that Trippier was going to start. He was obviously like a fantasy star last year, particularly in in daily formats. But you know, when you bring in a three and a half million dollar right back for a club like Tottenham, that's hardly you know a price that warrants an immediate start. And with Walker healthy now, uh, you know, he's going to keep that starting job. And he actually played pretty well aside from that own goal. And somebody kind of made a comment that if that ball goes, you know, four inches the other way, it's a fantastic defensive play. You know, it's just those things can happen that they happen to go in. And and it was the only goal of the match. But I don't know, for two, two sides that, we expected to score a lot of goals. It was kind of disappointing that the only
2: one was a defender scoring on his own net. Yeah. I like the fact that I said that Manchester United are actually going to be okay defensively because of that midfield shield that they have. Uh, that's really not what actually happened in this game. <laughs> you get a clean sheet, which is hilarious. Yeah. But uh, you know, on the Tottenham side, uh, anything that you saw, Tate, that jump out at you? Uh,
1: it's It almost seemed like kind of a one-man show. Or I guess two. It was... It seemed like it was Harry Kane and uh, Christian Eriksen in the attack, and they were kind of left by themselves to to go at the United back line.
2: Yeah, and I mean something that I've mentioned many times before, because I'm not a Christian Eriksen guy for uh, FPL purposes. You know, he can't score in open play. It's just he can't. I don't know. He almost I-
1: had a, Almost had a good one.
2: He almost had three good ones. It's just <laughs> that—that that is always what happens.
1: Christian yeah, that's, Erickson, that's the difference.
2: Set, if there's a set piece situation, he can score from them. He can assist from them, or if there's a corner, say uh, he can get assists. But when it's an open play, I have for me, he's he's almost like Ramirez on Chelsea. He's just <laughs> he's going to screw it up somehow in open play. Now, right. uh, it, it, it's really frustrating to watch, especially if you own Christian Erickson because you paid a price for him, and it's just it's it's frustrating to watch him in open play. And for me, especially the Manchester United defense, it was nice to see that they got a clean sheet here. Uh, Did they deserve it? I don't think so. I think Tottenham outplayed them throughout the 90 minutes. Manchester United, I believe, only got one shot on target. I think that's right. Yeah, one shot on target, and I think they had no shots on target from inside the (laughs) eighteen.
1: One One more thing from this game. Uh, I wrote about it in the barometer column this week. I thought uh, Darmian, Matteo Darmian, had a great debut. Yeah. Um, if you watched the game, he was he was probably the standout player for Manchester United, and uh, totally he was same. solid on right. He saw he was solid on defense, and I think uh, we'll see a lot more of him going forward as the year goes on.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure we'll be hearing about them on Friday because uh, because uh, Darmian and the rest of Manchester United play uh, against Villa. Mm-hmm. Hashtag, just saying. A little, a, a little, a little foreshadowing there.
1: Could be a stacked situation there.
2: Uh, it, it might be. We'll find out. We'll find out on Friday. Uh, but uh, we'll so, also find
4: out if De Gea gets his job back or not.
2: Yeah, my play target team is certainly interested in that. <laughs> While we're on it, um, I lost in that league, and I'm very angry about it because I couldn't get to my lineup page, <laughs> and I had um, I had Wayne Hennessy starting because I thought because I couldn't start De Gea, so I put in Hennessy and come Saturday before the games I couldn't get to my lineup page to change it to add Guzon for mm-hmm. Hennessy and I lost by 2 points. Oof. Ouch. Yeah. So take that Taga. <laughs> <laughs> and I got Yaya in the EFSA league on the last day. Mm.
1: Yaya yeah, was great.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk we'll we'll talk about Man City in a bit, but Let's get to the game that I kind of brought up a little bit. Everton at home against Watford, drawing 2-2. Aruna Kone getting on the score sheet for Everton. Uh, And Ross Barkley with with a a laser. And uh, Watford, the guy who we kind of poo-pooed before the game even started, uh, uh, Igalu. And uh, Andrew, I know you like him, and I know that he scored. So do you think there's any implications going forward there in terms of how they're going to line up?
4: The problem is, is that he mostly was used as a sub last year and score. i think he had 20 goals last year and basically didn't get many starts. And there's no reason for them to change that formula with him coming off the bench and scoring against Everton. So,
0: right. Super sub!
4: Yeah, it's really tough to depend on that because you just, you know, there's this whole like, oh yeah, he's, he'll be the first guy off the bench, but you just never know. And— you know, we Everton's not exactly the strongest defensive unit. They're, you know, they were playing better uh, towards the end of last season. But how how long
2: did it take you to swear off Tim Howard and the rest of Everton? Defense? It was like
4: three minutes in this game.
2: It uh, wasn't, uh, I think I remember your tweet, and I I I, I remember that, and I, I I had a chuckle.
4: Yeah, it was uh, incredibly frustrating because uh, I thought I just uh, gave up on everything that I taught myself last year in terms of avoiding this Everton side. I should note that Leighton Baines missed out with this ankle injury that there were kind of rumors floating around that it was pretty significant that the club didn't announce anything until after the game of course. But uh, you know, it looks like he could be out for a number of like 10 to 12 weeks. It
2: makes you wonder why they got rid of Luke Garbutt.
4: Yeah, so they, they're starting Brendan Galloway who's you know a youngster and Garbutt is on loan at Fulham. The, the fact that they brought Galloway or Started Galloway at the end of last season over Garbutt makes me think that they don't really have any interest in, in bringing Garbutt back. But uh, I think he's a much more dangerous fantasy option than than Galloway is.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that means the the shoulder of the low. They also may still lose John Stones to Chelsea, which I'm still wondering why they're going to pay that much. But anyway, because uh, it's just money. If, yeah, exactly. If they lose Stones, they really I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Uh, I think be. I think every team would be in a lot of trouble defensively. Uh, so Tate, we've asked many times on this podcast and on other podcasts, when we're on other podcasts, what do you make of the Everton midfield? Is there anyone that you trust? I know Ross Barkley had the goal. Uh, Would you trust Barkley?
1: I'm actually pretty high on Barkley this year. Um, if you watched him in seasons past when he's healthy, he's an awesome player. And, uh, he's one of those guys, he needs a, he needs a consistent run of games and I think once he hits his stride, he's off to a good start already. But I think once he hits his stride, he's going to be pretty productive this season.
2: So I guess the question would be, if he's healthy, do you think he gets a consistent run of games?
1: Absolutely. He uh, He's firmly in their plans for the future. He's 20, 21, 22. Uh, they're going to be looking to him for a long time. So I think uh, as soon as he hits his stride, as soon as he gets healthy and just keeps it going, he's going to keep playing.
2: All right. And well, let's go on now to the remo- – The most romantic game of the weekend. Man, was I interested. I was all in on this Burnmouth game. I was going to watch it until Burnmouth was no longer in it. And what do you know? They were in it the entire way. Even though it was a losing effort, 1-0 at home to Villa, I think everyone was watching their second favorite team in the Premier League in Burnmouth. And the fans did not disappoint. It was a really nice game to watch from that perspective. But in fact, what was actually on the pitch, Burnmouth had a lot of possession. And they wait they wasted a couple of chances and they learned w- why they can't do that in the Premier League. Aston Villa had a good had a had a corner in the second half, and of course on my EFSA bench, Rooney Gested. Uh just he's a big dude and he headed the ball right in the net like he always does. Uh so I mean, there really wasn't much else in terms of highlights from this game, but uh Tate, if you uh, what what would you say in terms of you know Matt Ritchie, who everyone loves in the preseason because of what he did last season? Uh, they had spurts where they were playing some really good soccer, real some really good football, and they played out from the back. They did not you know huck the field. They did exactly what they did in the championship. Do you feel that there's fantasy points to be had from this team, or is it going to be a struggle to score in the tougher division?
1: Uh, I, I really don't see much from from Bournemouth this season. Uh, I think it it will be a struggle. They. Sorry, that might be me.
2: No, don't keep going. Don't worry about it. Uh,
1: but yeah, they uh, Aston Villa is not exactly the most stout of defensive sides, and uh, Bournemouth can even break them down in the first game. They they took eleven shots, which is promising, but I don't see many fantasy points coming from them this year.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely. A, a, I think that they're gonna find out that they have to take their chances in the Premier League and uh, anything from the aston villa side you know did were you impressed with guzan or their defense against burnith andrew or was this just you know being a lower club and aston villa there's nothing really to take from this other than that rudy gestad can is tall and he can head the ball
4: yeah i didn't i didn't want to take too much out of uh, out of aston villa here because burnith had a good number of chances and i forget who was commentating the game for us on nbc but they kind of made the point of in the Premier League, you can't afford to miss the chances that Burnmouth missed, that you have to be able to capitalize on them or else you're just going to lose. And that's exactly what happened. And so I think against, you know, 16 other sides, Aston Villa gets creamed with the chances that Burnmouth had. But because they were unable to finish, you know, we, we think that uh, Aston Villa is better now. But I, I didn't see anything from that game from them that makes me think that they're going to be better than the bottom feeder this year.
2: Do you think Burnmouth? We both thought that Burnmouth wasn't going to get relegated. Have you already changed your mind after one week?
4: I haven't after one week, but um, in fact, I think I said Villa was going
2: down. So I got you know at least for one week it was off. But Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I I think this is just the week that you know the royal call to the Premier League The narrative writers, you know, give give Aston Villa a free three points here. Right, right. Well, they'll need every single one of them going forward. Exactly. All right, let's go on to Leicester. Uh, good lord, Riyad Mahrez, and so I think it was like what is it? The first three minutes of the game, it was Mark Albrighton to Jamie Vardy, as it was all at the end of last season, mm-hmm. and Twitter was ablaze. And then Riyad Mahrez went nuts, and then uh, Mark Albrighton got a goal for himself. Uh, the same characters from last season offensively, and Casper Schmeichel looked great at times. He had a good double save against Sunderland, but Sunderland did get two garbage time goals. Uh, Andrew. Is this a sign that Leicester is really talented offensively or that Le- uh, Sunderland is really bad defensively? Or both?
4: I, yeah, I, I kind of said it uh, in my article today that like I'm just not sure what to read into this because we all sort of expected Sunderland to be awful. I think I said last week that I thought they were going down. And so we know that Leicester has the ability to put up goals, but I'm not sure we learned that that they did that, that they can do that Based on what they did to Sunderland, like I, I'm, there are few teams in the Premier League that we would be shocked put up putting up four goals against Sunderland at home. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Leicester looks great. The you know not having Nigel Pearson they're, there, you wouldn't have expected them. They're to second.
2: Be... They're second in the table behind Man City. Yeah,
4: exactly. <laughs> um, but on the flip side, they gave up two goals to Sunderland, who were awful. So, uh, you know, if they're going to try to go through the Premier League winning games four two. They're going to lose a lot of games that way because there
2: are much better teams in this league than Sunderland. And I know there's not much to talk about on the Sunderland side, Tate. But you know, Jermaine Defoe did score. He reminded people he exists, and all goals count. Uh, is there? Would you still think that Jermaine Defoe is a like a budget talent? Is... Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, I I did expect Sunderland to be pretty bad this year. <laughs> But if you look at their starting lineup, they have they have players who have done it in the Premier League before and in other leagues. Uh, Defoe starting alongside Jermaine Lens and Adam Johnson, I think that trio can put up some goals this year.
2: Yeah, I'm still feeling really awkward about talking about Adam Johnson as a player. <laughs> but uh, outside of that, I mean Stoke, uh, not Stoke, Sunderland is. It's disappointing from the Sunderland side because, you know, Pantillamon is someone who a lot of people like.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and also, I mean, Yunus uh, Kabul I mentioned last week. I also, I think I put he, I put him in my model goal team, which was awesome. And, you know, Patrick Van Anholt, who people like a lot.
1: Yeah, he got some love last year.
2: Yeah, and he was the seventh highest scoring defender, I believe, last season, and... It's just tough to see the, you know, these budget options that a lot of people capped for, you know, at least week 1 go down in such horrible flames. But did we learn anything about Sunderland defensively or is this just, you know, one bad week at the office?
1: Well, I mean, this is the same team that gave up eight goals to Southampton last year, so I think uh, it's going to be a struggle for them at the back this year
2: yeah. based
1: on based on one game.
2: Yeah, speaking of struggles at the back, we'll go on to Norwich who are at home against Crystal Palace. We all love – I mean, at least, uh, at least on this side, Tay, Andrew and I love Crystal Palace, especially in the midfield.
1: Oh, I'm there with you.
2: And they it, – it, it, it did not – they did not disappoint. Uh, Crystal Palace, three. Norwich City, one. Cameron Jerome got a goal disallowed, which would have made things interesting late. But, uh, I mean, Yohan Kabai, Wilfred Saha, all both on the score sheet. And then a, I think it was a Damian Delaney goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to round out the three there. Man, did they look good offensively. Jason Punchin, particularly, Andrew.
4: Yeah, they, they all look great. Belasi uh, stayed on the bench for most of the game because of this hamstring injury. I'm not entirely sure where he fits in. I guess maybe Jordan Much's spot that mm-hmm. he got the surprise start. Um, we'll, you're still really hoping that we see Patrick Bamford Up front, instead of Glenn Murray.
2: Oh, the Connor Wickham effect.
4: Yeah, Connor Wickham's there too. I was chatting with uh, Jamie Hinks, who's one of our writers, who's a uh, London-based Palace fan, and he said he was uh, he said on uh, Thursday he was fully convinced that Murray would get the start. That um, you know, as much as Bamford and and Wickham have upside, Bamford much more. That uh, Pardew would still be you know go with the safe play with Murray, and he did. And I'm just not sure that that Murray didn't do enough to keep the job. Like, obviously Bamford is is there to play. Uh, we saw, you know, Christian Atsu get loaned out last year to Everton and not play at all. So you know that uh, Jose Mourinho kind of picks where he thinks guys will play, and Bamford not playing at all doesn't, doesn't lend himself well to that. But I don't think he can, I don't think he's close to getting a starting job. He may come off the bench here and there for Glenn Murray. But so I think the midfield is still the one to focus on. And Zaha's scoring, punching, uh, look great, kind of pulling the strings. And I'm not the biggest uh, Ka'Bai fan, but um, – Nice goal. Yeah, it was a nice goal to, to kind of put the nail in the coffin.
2: Yeah. Now, Tate, I have, I have said that if there's a Palace striker that starts for 30 games or more, they'll score 12 to 15 goals at a minimum because – I completely agree. Andrew, do you still feel that way even if it's Glenn Murray?
4: No. I don't. I think the the midfield will will score more than than it needs to and but I also don't, I'm not convinced that any any forward gets 30 str- 30 starts. That's that's my ultimate problem. Like I am kind of trying to sign up for something that I don't think is going to happen.
2: All right, let's do it uh, let's, let's do it at a little bit of a percentage. Let's say 45% in terms of, you know, goals to games ratio. They get a goal a little less than one every other game.
4: I think that's pretty aggressive.
2: Like 12 and 25. Um,
4: 12 feels
2: a little high for Glenn Murray to me. Okay. So not as high as myself and Tate there. Tate, how about 12 and 25 games, let's just say?
1: I can see that. Yeah. uh, What did he get? How many starts did he get last year? I know he ended up – I think he ended up with seven goals and maybe 14, 15, 16 starts, so –
2: we know that whoever's playing in the Palace forward they're going to get good service because of Balassi. when he plays, Kabai has good service, Punchin has good service. Zaha, not as good in terms of service, but he gets he get he, he gets the ball onto the byline very well. Mm-hmm. And th- that creates tap-ins if they if they if he crosses it right, but that's that's inconsistent. But uh you know, you know it, it allows for the opportunity. The opportunity is there and Glenn Murray's a budget price striker. I think the opportunity combined with the low price, combined probably with the volatility, meaning that not a lot of other people are going to get those points. If you're in a weekly format, I think it's the perfect mixture to start comfortably, no matter where they play. I next next week, Palace are playing Arsenal, Arsenal and I'm I'm comfortable they're at home for them still doing that. It's not like uh, it's not like uh, Arsenal covered themselves in glory. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's
4: another one that they're defensively they're going to struggle, I think, and so. They,
2: I do yeah, I'm never, I am not trusting Damian Delaney, Scott Dan, yeah. Papa Soire, you know, you, you, no one at the back. Yeah, you know? the only reason why I had, you know, like Hennessy starting is because he, I, 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 my backup originally, I didn't even have a backup goalie in that situation, in that league. So I had to drop one of my, uh, my last forward, which was Peter Odom Wingy, which was just kind of funny. <laughs> so I dropped Odom Wingy for Hennessy and then I was going to drop Hennessy for Guzan and the, the site crashed.
4: So uh, just that, you know, they're, teams can't be serious like i think crystal palace has a goal of european competition at least to, to compete to make that top uh, six spot i guess is really what it comes down to meaning five or six and they can
2: win the fa cup
4: right well they can the
2: depending right, on right.
4: outscoring your opponents for an entire season doesn't work you you can't win a you can't win enough to do that you have to play defense and i don't think they have enough to get there Some days you just the the ball just doesn't go in, and so you have to lock down to fantasy
2: wise. We're comfortable playing their offensive options, yeah. Pretty much anywhere. I would say, let's say, at Chelsea, at City, no, at
1: Arsenal, Mm, based on week one, yeah,
2: at Man U, oh, yeah, at Spurs, (laughs) definitely, (laughs) at Spurs, of course. (laughs) So pretty much stack. E- everyone except. Yeah, stack. Stack. <laughs> so pretty much every every one of them except everyone except three people basically three and a half. Yeah, okay, just about perfect. All right, one of the three and a half that you said you're not comfortable with is Chelsea. They played at home uh, to went down to ten men against Swansea City. First of all, guys, I got to ask: was that a straight red card against Tibo Coutoia? Uh, I think
1: so. Right? They tried to make the case that uh, Cahill was recovering there, but.
2: And the uh, ball was heading away from goal.
1: Right. I forget who pointed it out, though. But the rule is uh, denied a, a clear-cut goal-scoring opportunity. And I think uh, Cahill's presence there and the fact that the ball was rolling away from the goal at an angle doesn't really constitute a non-scoring opportunity. So I think that was the right call.
2: I know what Andrew's. I know what Andrew's <laughs> answer is already. So I'm not even going to bother. But uh, you know what? You know what I noticed from this game, and I'll start with the reaction here. The first thing that jumped out to me, especially in the first half, Oscar taking free kicks and corners. Mm-hmm. Oscar was awesome until he got subbed off. I, 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 Jose Mourinho's substitutions in this game baffled me to no end. And I don't want I, I this is not that kind of podcast, so I don't want to get into that. But the two, the, the, the couple things that I learned if there is a winger with any kind of pace on your team, put him on your left uh, on the attacking left side going right at Branislav Ivanovic he can't he can't cope with speed uh, jefferson montero burned him left right yeah. center
1: oh over and over again
2: it just it was just the the, the the plan was get montero the ball in any way you can and he'll go past whoever's in front of him there which was with, ivanovic which but bodes
1: he, well for montero going forward yeah, if he's play,
2: if he's play, if he's playing opposite uh, you know, Andre Ayew who I love and he was good. And I mean, Guilty Sigurdsson didn't even do anything in this game.
4: No. But before we keep going, what, who would you have taken off?
2: <laughs> uh I would have taken off probably Espilloqueta and gone three at the back.
4: They were, they were up 2-1 though. They you, you know, he's not going to do that. It, it I mean, was, I guess the penalty they was were make two. were up 2-1 with two, the penalty but, coming. Yeah.
2: You know, they they could have wait. I mean, theoretically, they could have waited until after the penalty to do the substitution, which I think they did anyway. And well, no,
4: because didn't Be- Begovic have to come on for the?
2: Well, Oscar yeah, left yeah, for Begovic. Yeah, he has to come on for the. He has to come on for. Gotta the have pass. a goalie. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, you could. I, to, I, if, if it was me and I was a renegade coach, I would just say, "Hey, John Terry, one of my, who's my tallest guy? Pick no, a Matic. I think Nadić would
4: have stopped it. Matic,
2: Cahill. Anyway, pick a <laughs> direction, jump there." <laughs> and then we'll make the substitution afterwards or stand down the middle
4: you know just that has ball in the face written all over it
2: yeah put, put your hands at your face <laughs> but anyway it's you know, i would just be the renegade like that and then just wait for the result of the penalty kick and then make your substitution then make it tactically i guess so you're if theoretically how many of those penalties you're saving anyway, on not that, not that kind of podcast let's, let's <laughs> that's
1: let's, why you're not an epo manager
2: you, yeah. I, I, dude I, I, I am totally down for renegade action, like that one. And also, like, not not ever kicking extra points in the NFL. Totally down with Chip Kelly there. Now, um, so Chelsea, for me, I would have taken Azpilicueta off and gone three at the back and go for the win, which I, they did do, to be fair. They did go for the win. I just didn't think they brought the right people on to do that. They took yeah. the wrong people off, for sure. Oscar should not have come out of that game, unless he's, he's having fitness issues. But it's just... The, the substitutions were bo- mind boggling. Uh, Falcao playing with uh, playing with Costa was useless. I was like
4: Atlético all over again.
2: Exactly. Yeah,
4: trying to rekindle uh, that, the
2: magic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Swansea, I think. I, I mean, Chelsea are going to look better as the season goes on. To that, mm-hmm. I have no doubt. Um, Swansea, I want to keep the I want to keep the focus on Swansea. Gilfie Sigurdsson was invisible this game, Andrew.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, is that because Chelsea defends very well in the middle?
4: I'm not sure we ever really see him unless there's a free kick situation.
2: Like so he's like he's like Christian Eriksen, Christian Eriksen, yeah, 10.
4: totally. He's the,
2: you one just one don't hear the these.
4: Other. Yeah, you don't hear these guys' names much during matches. They're not big, they're not physical, they're not fast. They just kind of float throughout the game, and then when the ball stops, is where they kind of have the focus. So, I've never been the biggest Sigurdsson fantasy um, supporter. Same with with Erickson, and maybe it's because they're effectively the same guy, but uh, Bufittimi Gomis was much better than I expected like i i um, i wasn't you know the, very impressed by him last year and then he kind of picked it up at the end of the year and i didn 't think it was like a fluke, but he was much better than I expected yeah and I was yeah. a beast I think
2: I was a beast yeah, uh, I, yeah Andrew you knew You've I was loved lot. it yeah all, all summer it was a great call yeah it's... swansea don't miss on their big acquisition they just don't uh, and it's 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 something to really behold. You know, they're if they have a big if they have a big and price offseason acquisition, I'm in. <laughs> uh, if they're, they're like the Oakland A's, they 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 know something other people don't.
4: Yeah,
2: and I Maybe. don't know what it is. That's the point. Right, but let's get exactly let's get to the game of the weekend here. Arsenal at home, zero. West Ham two. Game of Arsenal the weekend for who? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, for me, which is this is a this is a Mike Gottlieb centric podcast. In case you haven't figured it out yet, Tate. Now, uh, I'm gonna le- I'm gonna leave the floor to you two, Tate. I'll start with you. I know you're Arsenal fans. Yeah. What was your? I mean, just in general, did West Ham do something that Arsenal couldn't cope with, or is this just Arsenal being Arsenal?
1: Uh, well, West Ham did something, but it wasn't a secret or anything. They set back. They let Arsenal come at them. Arsenal was happy to just pass it around. Um, I saw Ramsey take a shot from twenty-two yards out, and the whole team starts yelling at him. Classic Arsenal. They need to. I think they need to start taking a couple more shots from atop the box. Maybe pull the defense out a little bit. But uh, I think that one of the biggest things I took away was how much they need Alexis Sanchez in the lineup. Uh, he came on later on in the game, and the attack kind of sparked a little bit. But uh, man, it was it was it was classic Arsenal. I'll say that.
2: Uh, Andrew, on your side, um, this was some, this is a quote that I read over the weekend that West Ham started a 16 year old who led that midfield sh- and shielding that back four, and Arsenal had no leadership going forward against a 16 year old.
4: Yeah, Reese Oxford, he looked pretty yeah. good. I mean, definitely didn't look like a 16 year old, but
2: he's not an FPL guy, just
4: right. Yeah, no, uh, but I don't know that the first goal that West Ham scored. Obviously West Ham because Arsenal didn't score, but classic, you know, Arsenal set piece defense like
2: that's uh, high line, lo- high line except for one.
4: Yeah, that's not anything that that's new to an Arsenal fan, but uh, Arsenal had sixty two percent of possession, and um, you know that's that tends to be what how they win. But I think Tate kind of hit it that they just didn't press enough. Like they they sh- there weren't enough shots that were actually. Dangerous. I think starting Olivier Giroud over Theo Walcott was a tremendous mistake. Walcott had been playing so well recently, signed that new contract. Giroud was kind of just, you know, doing what he does coming in, and to to kind of knock Walcott while he's playing so well was just really surprising to me. Alex Oxley chamberlain I think, was their best player, and he was great. Um, you know, he's another one that is going to possibly be a Kind of a victim of a rotation because they, when Alexis, as of as of right now, everybody's fit. So when they have well, Walcott, San, you know, Sanchez, and Oxley Chamberlain healthy,
2: so who's who sits when Alexis comes back to start?
4: Oxley Chamberlain. Yeah, I think Oxley Chamberlain.
2: He hasn't he hasn't done enough to to keep his time on the pitch, even when Alexis comes back. Well, that he means-
1: has, but he's he's pretty much a direct replacement for him, and yeah. uh, they they're very similar players, but uh, he's he's obviously just not on the same level as Sanchez yet.
4: Mm. And I think they could they could afford to sit to sit Ramsey too they they kind of move Ramsey back to uh, to line up next to Coquelin with Kazorla uh, on the wing which didn't work last year because um, Kazorla was so good in the middle but um, Wenger kind of really likes Ramsey in the middle so that pushes mm. Cazorla who's still he you know he can still be effective out there but it's just not the, the whole team kind of stalls when he's not kind of pulling the strings yeah
2: uh, let's flip this over to the West Ham side. Uh, I think there's only one player from the team that actually was noteworthy, and that was Dmitri Payet, especially Look, right. on set pieces. Man, was were those good?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, he set up the goal from the set piece for Chico Coyate. Uh, the second goal was, you know, a really bad goalkeeping error to on Peter Check. Um, I think this is the the first time in a long time that someone from the Czech, uh, from the Czech Republic was helping a Russian oligarch. So. <laughs> Uh, just <laughs> something, something, something to watch out for going forward. But, uh, I mean, for me, West Ham, Dimitri Payet is really good. That's all I got from West Ham. Diopra was... wasn't that great. And I don't think anyone else was.
4: Adriano played we'll pretty well.
2: Now with that in mind, we'll t- I mean, we're probably going to talk about this more on Friday, but they have some good fixtures coming up. West Ham do. So, uh, stay tuned for that. I'm foreshadowing West Ham on the forecast for Friday. <laughs> So, uh, just something to keep in mind going forward because they, sh- they did clean and cheat on the road in a derby against a very good team. Something to keep in mind under Slavin Billich, the new head coach. All right, on to n- another new coach in Steve McLaren. His Newcastle side drew at home with Southampton, two teams that I thought would be swinging in opposite directions. And uh, Tate, at least for this game, Newcastle offensively, they-, they got the job done against Southampton, who were stubborn defensively last season.
1: I, uh, I'm kind of high on Newcastle after watching that first game. They have a, a pretty good collection of attackers now. Jorginho uh, Vindelum was probably my favorite player from the weekend. He, uh, If anybody hasn't seen his goal yet, I urge you to go watch it. He literally ran about 100 yards and hit that header into the corner on going full speed. I, uh, I think him, uh, Cissé, Obertan together, uh, who's their new signing? Mitrovic. Mitrovic, I think they're going to score some
2: goals. Yeah, and they may not be done in the transfer market. By the way, Uh, Newcastle still they're they're still sniffing around Charlie Austin. By the way, Mm -hmm. so they they may not be done with their offensive uh, their offensive uh, acquisitions for the summer. Now, Andrew, um, obviously, you know I asked you over the weekend, would you still take that Southampton West Ham (laughs) bet? And of course, you said yes. And uh, famously, last season, Andrew predicted that Southampton would uh, finish higher in the table than West Ham when West Ham were fourth. Fourth, yeah. So this season, Southampton, I think they're going to swing down just because they continue to lose too many pieces. And, you know, Newcastle at home at the end of last season was not a scary fixture by any means, and now it may be. Is this just Southampton being rusty, or is this a sign to come? Because Sadio Mane missed a great chance near the end of the game. Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah. So, I mean, your thoughts on Southampton's performance, I guess, as someone who kind of supports them, not really, but.
4: I think they can very well finish where they did last year, which was seventh. You know, I, I don't think there's going to be some sort of free fall. The goalkeeping situation is troubling, I'll say. Stecklenburg looked pretty poor. And I think, you know, Fraser Forster's out until possibly May. I mean, excuse me, March. He, I think he's absolutely in like the top five goalkeepers in the league when he's fit, and mm-hmm. you know that's a big, that's a big player to lose. Uh, Ryan Bertrand's still out. I think they'll they'll be better when he comes back. Cedric Suarez looked great though. Um, he only lasted forty five minutes. Yeah, attacking at least. He only lasted forty five because of the yellow card. But uh, you know his cross that set up uh, Graziano Pele's goal was was perfect, um, and I think that's kind of how. They'll keep playing all year. Jay Rodriguez looked good. He got the start, so I think you know it. Just they've got a few different parts than they did last year, but if they can if they can cover stecklenburg a little better, then you know I think they'll they'll pick it up. But I I don't think they're going to be in the position where they were last year, where they were third on New Year's Day. I think that's where they were, and then falling back. I think it'll be kind of the opposite where they'll be in the seven to 10 range all season, but they'll finish seventh.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I think they may fall to under the mid table, like close to like 13, 14. I'm not, I'm not high on their prospects this season. I just think they've lost too much and I don't think they're going to be replacing anyone anytime soon.
1: I I think it's going to be tough for them because it's kind of a change of identity. They, they lost Klein. They were they were a defensive oriented team last season. They lost Klein, uh, Bird out, Alderville was gone. He was a big part of their defense yeah, last year. Uh, and now like if you look, they have a pretty good collection of attackers. So they're going to have to transition from a defensive team to an off- to a more attacking team, I guess. And just depends on how well they can adjust to that.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the final two games of the weekend here. This one was really boring. Stoke City at home against Liverpool. Liverpool getting the late uh, Philippe Coutinho winner. Uh, anything you saw from either team, Andrew?
4: I think it's going to take ben Teke a while to get to get going because it looks like they just don't quite know how to use him yet. Uh, Coutinho, that goal was excellent, but it's a classic. You know, that's how he scores. So if you're going to exp- Take that and say, oh, he's going to score 12 goals this year. I I really, uh, I'll respectfully disagree. Uh, Milner didn't look great. Uh, Jordan Ibe didn't do much for me. Uh, Joe Gomez looked pretty good as 18-year-old left back. But uh, I don't know. There's certainly nothing that I saw that that screamed that these guys can make a legitimate top four push. Maybe once Firmino gets fit, they'll look differently. But I don't know. And Danny Ings didn't play a single second.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, – we, we, we kind of predicted that Danny Yangs was not going to play a big part this season. Uh, on, on Zero the, minutes was a little surprising to me. Uh, mm-hmm. like, like, like I said, I remember, remember in the preseason, Andrew, I said you're going to be making one of two assumptions. That, you know, Daniel Sturridge will never ever play again. Or that this was before that Benteke ben even yeah. signed. Or that when healthy, they were going to play two forwards. And then Benteke signed. Right. <laughs> now he's third you know I, I just think he's gonna rot there yep uh, I don't want to spend too much time but on this game because it really was nothing there but you know Tate, anything for you? Um,
1: I think I think Liverpool will be solid or more solid at the back this season than they were last year. They mm-hmm. were injuries and just poor play last year. Uh, I think some of their defenders are on the up, uh, especially Nathaniel Klein I think he gets a little bit of a boost in value moving to Liverpool, mm. uh, they, they like to utilize those outside backs a little more on offense. But, uh, I mean, attacking-wise, there really wasn't a lot there.
2: All right. All right, and let's get to the last game of the weekend here. What was more impressive to you, or what was more surprising, West Brom giving up three at home or Man City scoring three on the road against Tony Pulis? Uh, Tate, we'll start with you.
1: Uh, I wasn't surprised at all that that Man City scored three. Um, I think they looked they, – were probably the most impressive team of the weekend to me uh they they dropped three on West Brom without Aguero playing and I honestly thought they could have had quite a few more and 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 I'll I'll follow that up by saying West Brom
2: was pretty bad in this game yeah uh West Brom especially defensively I mean yeah, yeah, that one goal they just didn't press him and then I'm not sure how many times Vasson Company, even with no defenders there, could do that looping header <laughs> off the shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many times you can do that out of out of a hundred, but uh, you know the yaya yeah, yeah goals. You got to do better. But you know West Ham offensively, Andrew Saito, Barahino, Ricky Lambert starting together doing combined total of nothing.
4: Yeah, Barahino that, didn't get a single shot off, not one. And yeah. So.
2: Both on my target team.
4: <laughs> they're just very different players, and I'm not sure they complement each other at all, and so, I, I you know, they're, if they're going to try to play this counter-attacking, you know, hold and then counter-attack, I'm not sure that Ricky Lambert really falls into that, and Barahino has kind of made it clear that he wants out, so, this, you know, if they, you know, we're obviously saying that they got beat by arguably the best attack in the Premier League, so I don't want to say that you know all is lost for them but they looked really poor and you know at home to do that in your opener that's that's not good I I, I'm I may have to see one more result from them before I say I'm fine attacking a Tony Pulis defense because last year I kind of stayed away from it but we saw last year that they're susceptible to some pretty big scores to giving Mm -hmm. them up and Mm -hmm. obviously Man City can do it so maybe it was just kind of a perfect storm but this was just like total and utter domination from city
2: yeah Uh, i of all the top teams this weekend that we projected to be as a top team they looked the best and it wasn't even close yeah Mm -hmm. and uh you know alarm bells were ringing before the season started for man city and i think the person saw with the big i think the collective sigh you heard was the sound of manuel pellegrini going oh i am a good manager (laughs) yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like uh, I've I heard all the criticism over the summer, and we knew he was on the hot seat. And that this get, it, people will breathe easier because they've now gained two points on Chelsea already and three on Arsenal. Yeah, main competition.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with Yaya. If uh, totally agree. If he, can, if he
2: can return to
1: the Yaya Toure of two or three years ago, then they're going to be a much better team than they were last year.
2: Yeah. Ah. <sighs> What a great weekend though narrative upon narrative upon narrative and what the the main takeaway from this weekend and uh, if it continues going forward, I think the top teams have no chance in Europe and that's because the middle of the pack in the Premier League is now so strong. There's so many good players on so many mid-level teams and if Jordan Shakiri signs for Stoke, that's another one that another middle of the pack team. Is getting like a, a borderline star player, Shakiri and Ethelie
1: in one summer.
2: Yeah, and they already have Boyan.
1: Yeah, they're uh, the league is getting better and better every year. Like that, you said, these that, smaller teams are bringing in these top that, caliber players. They're,
2: they're using that TV money.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: And and NBC just renewed their US deal too, so I mean, there's God. more TV money going in. Yeah, Rebecca Lowe. Yes, please, please and <laughs> please and thank you. Yeah. And on that note, we will end the first of the 2 duo uh, weeks So, Andrew, Tate, great first time, Tate. Great guest. I hope to have you back uh, more and more as the season progresses. It's been a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, Andrew, as always, talk to you Friday. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the
3: Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. More great content. Visit rotowire.com/soccer. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy-five percent of Americans are deficient in.